And good morning and welcome once again. And uh, We uh, have been talking about a few different things. We talked about how we interact with the, the Word. When we, when we look into it, are we looking at it with our purpose in mind? Are we looking at it with God's purpose in mind? And then we expanded on that and we looked at how we look at church. Are we looking at for something that's going to fulfill our purpose? Or are we looking for something that's going to fulfill God's purpose? God's laid out both of these things for us, and he has purpose in everything that he tells us to do and not to do. And uh, so we've been carrying that word purpose with us, and we're going to add another word today, and we're going to, uh, uh, that word's going to be image. And we're going to look at, at, at images. And um, there's, there's different definitions for that. Let's, uh, let's go to have a word of prayer before we get started too deep into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity to bring your word today, Father. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it, Father. I ask you to take myself out of the way, Father. Just let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, image. So, um, an image is... Different things by definition. The most common thing we come to when we see an image, is we're talking about a picture. You know, uh, a picture on a screen, a picture on a wall, and even a picture in your mind. That's an image. In Exodus 20 and 4 and 6, God talks about images. And uh, at that point, we're talking about idols. You know, images, idols. And... Uh, that's a, a difference in, in word terminology, but there's also times that the two things can become one. That a, a picture that you have of something can be an idol in your life. And when we let these images overtake, then we can get distorted from what God wants us to do. That's what happened in, in the garden. The serpent came to, to Eve, and they started having a conversation. And he was telling her all of these things. And what does our brilliant mind do? Our, our mind is, is amazing. Are there any readers? Who likes to read? You know, when you read a, a story... It's a very different experience from watching it on TV. And it's always interesting to read a book first, and especially if it's ever been made into a movie. And then you can go back and watch the movie and see the, the differences. I always enjoy the, the book version better because there's so much more detail in it. And uh, I've always thought of myself having a very vivid mind, a very vivid imagination. So as you read, the story unfolds in your head. And you're simply more than just words on paper, but it starts to put together what an image. And you read the description and you start to see what this person looks like. You picture them in your mind. You picture their surroundings. They talk about it being cold, so you picture snow on the ground. You see the, the leaves blowing in the wind. 
If they talk about rain, you can see the rain clouds. You can see in your mind the sweat running down their face. You can feel the intensity. It's all in your mind. And then if you ever go back and you, and you watch the, the movie interpretation of it, you're kind of can be disappointed sometimes because you already have this vivid image in your head about what it's supposed to look like. And many times the director and the writers don't bring it to life very well. They, it doesn't translate from the pages of that book into a story on the screen. And there's many reasons for that, but you, the main thing is because it doesn't fit the image in your mind. As I read through the Word of God, I like to picture everything that I'm seeing. What does it look like? You know, uh, I like to study the times that these events took place, the environment, so I can paint a more vivid picture in my mind. What does this terrain look like? What does the environment look like? What was the weather like? How did they interact? How did they dress? What kind of tools do they use? And all of this information paints a better picture. Because the one thing that we don't have is that we have from a lot of other periods in time is actual images that we can look at. We can go back and we can see a picture of the Titanic. We can see what it looked like in all its glory before it sank to the bottom of the ocean. We can go and reconstruct different things from pieces that we found, such as dinosaur bones, such as ancient ruins. We have pictures of different eras, how they dressed in different times, in the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, because we had that technology. And as we go through, images will always remain. God talks about images. He says to avoid them. He said we should not make images of anything that is in, in heaven. And uh, I've thought about that. And, you know, many times we go places and we see images of, of Jesus. We see the traditional statue, the plaque of him hanging on the cross. I know that we all at some point or another have encountered this grand picture that you can buy about anywhere of the Last Supper. And it shows Jesus front and center, and it shows the disciples on either side, and they're gathered around a table. It looks like Thanksgiving. But the problem is that that is not a realistic interpretation of that moment in time. That is someone's image. If we look at the Word of God and we look at how actually things were done during that time, we see that it would be much different how they would sit and interact.
as a as a pastor, as you interact with different people and you uh, go into their space, sometimes you'll encounter a lot of images, representations of of God, of heaven, of Jesus. And I ask myself many times, you know, why, why do we do these things? Why do we need these images? Because they're not accurate. We don't have anything, we don't have any concrete photo evidence to display what Jesus looked like. And based upon, again, the Word of God, based upon biblical archaeology going back and looking at the time, that the images that, are, that represent Jesus are simply not accurate. They are what we, mankind, have determined is what he should look like. I wonder how many of us are going to get up to heaven and when it comes time to meet Jesus, are we going to say, whoa, you don't look like your picture? And it's all part of that, that pre-programming that the, the world does. And even as Christians, we do these things. You know, we talk about all the stuff that the, the world does, that Satan does. But so many times, us Christians, we talked about it a little bit last week, we talked about church. We do things that are of the world. We do things that are not good in the eyes of God. And many times we think we are. We think we are. We're doing the right thing we're trying to do. But we're simply not because we're not properly educated on what the Word tells us. We do not know what God's purpose is. And most importantly, we do not self-reflect back and we are not checking our purpose. We talk about this week after week after week because we have to because this is something that we need to do on a daily basis. Because our mind is going to keep creating images. The mind is an amazing thing. If you don't believe in God, if you don't believe that we are made in His image, look at the mind. Look at what some people can do with it. We all have our different strengths and weaknesses, but we look at, we see some that can play an instrument beautifully. We have people that can sing. We have people that can build things, create things from parts, that can program a computer, that can speak elegantly. We have people that are so good that doing numbers are considered a human calculator. We have things that just that people can do with their mind that is simply beyond belief, beyond scientific explanation. And I have a theory for that. You know, we live in this world of sin. We were cut off from God. We can go back and we can study 
Adam and seeing the things that he was doing before the fall of man. And I have to think that sin has blocked so much of what our mind can do. Our lack of faith has blocked so much of what our mind can do. The word tells us that nothing is impossible to God, but yet we do not seek him to do the impossible. Jesus said that you will go on to do things greater than I did, but yet we don't see it. Is it perhaps because we are not allowing our minds to work to their full potential? We are not using our God-given talent because we're filled up with false images. But that mind that we have, it will not simply sit idle. I know many of us have spent many of a sleepless nights with something on our minds because it keeps, keeps generating ideas and thoughts and we can't seem to turn it off. It's designed that way. If our mind cannot, does not have all the answers, it cannot fill in all the sequences, what will it do? It will fill it in for you. It will create images to fill in the blanks. It will complete the chains of thoughts. So we have to be careful about what we're giving it to work with. Because it's not pulling stuff from nowhere. It's pulling stuff from what we have put into it. From the time that we have started retaining memory. It's in there. It's stored. It's not being overwritten. It's not running out of space. It's all there. And what does it do? When it needs something, it pulls from it. It pulls from the archives. It pulls from the, the spare thoughts to be able to complete these things. And where do we want it pulling from? Do we want it pulling from false images? Do we want it pulling from things that we got of the world? Or do we want it be pulling from the Word of God? You ever been talking to someone... When it comes to sharing Jesus, sharing the Word of God, you never know going into it what to say, but yet you're able to freely speak. The words come out. You're able to accomplish it because of what you already have there. Every week, I come up here and I, I speak from the heart. Yes, I, I study and I put things together, but I don't know exactly how it's all going to come together until this very moment. To let God have his hand in it and to pull from what's already there. We have images.
when we go and we look around and we see all these, these images that are supposed to represent God, supposed to represent Jesus, why? Why is it needed? Jesus is in us, in our hearts. He should be on our minds. He paid for our soul. He bought it with his blood. We shouldn't need something plastered on the wall to remind us of Jesus. Many times I think that these images are not there for us, not for our reminder, but to be a showpiece for everyone else. Because they can go in and walk in and they see these things and it's like, oh, well they must be a, a believer. They must be a follower. Look at all the stuff they have around. They must love Jesus. But you know, I have seen people that have surrounded themselves with these artifacts that have their Bible collections and the fruits of their hearts show something completely different. Satan slipped into the, the garden under the guise of a serpent. And many times we have people slipping into our lives, our churches, our congregations, our groups, underneath the guise of being a believer. All because they fit an image. Matthew 21 and 12 All right, and we're back. In 21 and 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God to cast all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Now we're talking about images. Does this portray the image of Jesus? Is this what you think about when you think about Jesus? See, we like to think about the, the little baby Jesus swaddled in the manger. We like to think about the Jesus that's teaching love and to turn the other cheek. We like to think about a gentle, healing Jesus. See, this, this image doesn't portray that this is a a more of a a savage jesus this is more of a jesus that's accomplishing something in a different way that we're used to seeing and uh you can always tell if a passage bothers someone and the way to tell is is to do a little bit of research on it because you're going to find that there is a lot of commentary about it people want to talk about it and this is one that people like to talk about because this doesn't fit their image of jesus 
So what do they have to do? They have to go in and they have to put their spin on it. Well, this was this or this was that. And we're not going to debate that here about what this represented. All I need to know is that Jesus did it. Jesus doesn't sin. He's good to go. He was doing what needed to be done. They was making a mockery of the temple. And it goes back to, to purpose. See, the people had to make sacrifices to be able to fix the problems. Because there's yet not covered underneath the blood of Jesus. See, it's real easy for us now. And I'm glad that we live in the time we, we do. Because when we sin, which we all do, all we simply have to do is, is go to God and repent. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done today, Father. Please forgive me of my actions and please help me to not do that in the future. We have remorse. We repent. We take it to God through the blood of Jesus. We drop it at His feet. He forgets about it. We are cleansed no more. But see, they didn't have that yet. So they had to offer a sacrifice to be able to have their sins taken care of, having their the things met. And of course, mankind always finds a way to make a profit on everything. See, it comes from original sin. We don't have enough. We're worried about not having enough. We have to make ends meet. We have to have our provision. We have to have the, all these things now because it's not provided for us because man sinned, put this divide between us and God. So we're under the curse. So the curse makes us do things like this. To set up like a flea market to go in and gather these things. We see this every time there's a, a disaster. We went through the toilet paper crisis of 2020 because people were not worried. People were worried about not having enough. But on top of that, they were looking to make a profit. They were looking to capitalize on the misfortune of others. And we see it every time there's a disaster. People go and sell water. They'll sell supplies to try to make a a few bucks. Every time there's a, a new video game console that comes out, they're always in high demand because we always want the next greatest thing. We want to be there on launch date. We want to play the newest things first. So there's always a supply and demand problem. There's not enough units being produced for the people that want them at that particular time. So what do they do? They go and they set up computer bots that'll monitor all these sites to be able to buy the stuff up instantly as soon as it comes into stock. 
And then, of course, they go to other means and they go and they sell these things for inflated prices. Nothing has changed. And that's what these people were doing. They were making it nice and convenient. Because another thing we are as humans, we're lazy. We are lazy. We are always looking for the easy way out. We're looking for the quick dollar, the easy fix. That is why there is hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of weight loss products because we're looking for the next best thing that's going to get us to where we want to be without doing the hard work of diet and exercise. We are bombarded with robocalls, phishing emails, and similar things because they are people that will fall for them. Because things sound good. Because they paint an image in your mind. That if you just simply send this Nigerian prince some money, he's going to deposit millions of dollars in your account. And who, of course, would not like millions of dollars in your account? Listen to this promo. Watch this demonstration. And we're going to give you this grand gift. If a company gives you a gift that costs more than the product that they are selling, they are not going to be in business very long. That, my friends, is a scam. But yet, we hold on to that little bit of hope, that idea. They have a different lottery for every day of the week and every day of the week people throw down their hard-earned money for them little slips of paper with numbers on them for the little cards that you can scratch off and it's so funny you'll be sitting there getting gas and they can't even make it out of the store before they got to go see if they're a big winner and then you see them walk out with disappointment on their face because that $20 bill is gone and all they have left for it is a worthless piece of paper. But yet we have this image in our mind about what can we do with all that money? How can it change our lives? We need to start painting images that have value. We need to paint images that have purpose. And quit trying to change the images that God has laid before us. One day we may do a, a series about all the Bible topics that people want to change because they don't fit their image. We see that what people's doing with the world today, we are trying to, to change it from God's image. We're trying to blur the lines on everything. Where there's 
no more men, no more women. There is division where it doesn't need to be, and there is no division where it needs to be. We're blurring all the lines and changing all the rules to fit images. You go back and you watch some TV from olden times. You know, there's things today that wouldn't even fly. It wouldn't even be on the air. In fact, things have been banned because of it. And not because anything's any different. The world is what's changed. Our image of the world. Our image is what we say it is. And things that are, are need to be said, we can censor. We cancel, but yet morals, righteousness, those things are, are going out the window. That's considered hate. That's considered things that need to be gone away from because it doesn't fit everybody's ideology. Our mind is going to paint a picture. We need to understand that. But we need to know when it's a, a good picture or a piece of trash. I don't know nothing about art, but apparently there's people that do. That's why some paintings are worth millions of dollars and some of them are worth nothing. And if you don't know the difference, you could get seriously ripped off. Or you could throw away a masterpiece. God has given us the paintbrush. God has given us the camera. God has given us the crayons, the colored pencils. He's given us every tool that we need to paint that masterpiece. And we need to, to work together. You ever seen them murals on the, on the side of a building where they get a whole bunch of people and everybody does a little bit of a piece of that? That's the way we need to do when we come together as believers in Christ. But the thing of it is, we all can't go and do our own thing. One of us can't be painting puppy dogs and the other one painting flowers. We all need to have an image as a whole. Then we all can build that picture together. But our images have to come together first. We can't be a strong body. And whether that's on... The family level, the church level, or the global level, and still until we bring our image together. We all have to be seeing the same thing. We have to put up that little viewfinder, click the little button, and see the same thing. That's, you know, we talked about it last week with churches. We have a different view we split. A different view, we split. 
And there's no reason for it because we all are working for the same goal. And God has given that to us. Jesus came. He walked around this earth. He started his ministry. And he was making a lot of waves. Because he was shattering images. The Pharisees had a way that they were doing things. And he came along and said, nope, that ain't right. He went into the temple and he ran these people out because they were doing what they were doing. He said, nope, that ain't right. He wasn't worried about anyone's feelings. He wasn't worried about tradition. He wasn't worried about any of these things that we put so much emphasis on that's not important. He had one purpose. To show people the way, the truth. And that should be our purpose today. It's not about making friends. It's not about having fun. It's about saving souls. It's about enriching our lives. We're looking for happiness and we can't find that if we're serving a false image. And I said, how do them two things cross over? From Exodus 20, when we're talking about images to the images that we have today. Because those images that we put in our minds, those images that we hang on the wall, they become so strong that they overpower everything else. If you walk into a, a church and you're only concerned about for people doing it your way and things bowing to your order, you've missed a purpose. If you're not willing to listen to another point of view, if you're not willing to get into the word and see what the truth is, you have missed the purpose. The purpose is God's. And these images is like holding up a poster. It's blocking God. Self-evaluation. What is the purpose in the images that we are using? And one more thing. And then we'll close. Image is also what we project. Our look, our demeanor. Remember the old show, Happy Days? Fonzie had an image. He was the cool guy, the tough guy. He rode a motorcycle, had a leather jacket. He could do all the cool things by hitting the jukebox and he was always there to, to save the day with his almost superhuman abilities. That's an image. And we all want to have an image. We all have our, our signature look and the way we talk and the things we do. And many times it changes from time to time. And it changes as different points in our life. But it's how the world sees us. How does your image reflect God in your life? 
You know, you can be an individual. God made us that way. And you can also be a follower of God. We are complex creatures and we can be more than one thing. Just because we want to stand up for God, stand up for Jesus, we want to believe, we want to do the right thing, that does not make us any less unique. In fact, it makes us more unique. It is so much easier to go with the crowd. And how much of an image are you portraying if you're just simply being part of the mob and doing what everyone else does and being like everyone else? So the takeaway this week is, what are the images you are projecting in your mind, in your world? How are you receiving the information that builds your images? And what kind of image are you putting out in the world? These are things that we need to talk about, things that we need to self-reflect on, and things that we need to challenge ourselves on on a daily basis. Make sure it's not of the world. It's not of selfishness. It's not of the flesh. But it is of God.